welcome to TLDR for Parents, a place for busy parents who want to be the best they can be. I'm Suzanne McCauley, parent, educator, consultant, and reader of all things parenting. Welcome back, episode 10. Can you believe it? It's crazy. It's gone by so fast. We're so glad you're here. Today we're wrapping up the addiction inoculation. We're going to do part three on that and finish this one up and then we'll move on next week. Um, We're going to get right to it to respect your time as a busy parent. So this part of the book is about parenting for prevention. So I feel like she spent the first two parts kind of building her case for why um, we should maybe parent with this in mind. And now she's going to give us the tips that we need to do well. So she opens by talking about various personal stories she's heard at the recovery meetings that she's been a part of over the years. Um, She focuses on the beginning of use. I think we talked about this, the first day versus the worst day. So she goes back to that, but then she says this thing that is possibly going to be hard for some people to hear. So I just want to preface it with that. And that is that every substance abuse story begins at home. Mm. That stings a little bit, I think. But she said just looking at family factors as the most important influence. So cited family factors in the research include, obviously, substance abuse within the family, Mm -hmm. mental illness, domestic violence and sexual abuse, neglect, divorce, separation, adoption, and living in areas where addictive substances are readily available. So those are kind of obvious family Mm -hmm. risks, right? But then she says there's a less obvious risk, and that is not talking about substance abuse. Mm -hmm. So um, she says the research shows that 75 to 87% of parents talk about nicotine, alcohol, and marijuana, but only 50 to 60% talk about other drugs. Mm -hmm. The most significant risk factors come from family factors, but so do the most powerful protections. So there's the, she says every substance abuse story starts at home, but also we can provide the most powerful protections as well. So it's extremely important to give kids, especially teenagers, accurate information. The data shows that teens who get information on this topic from peers, social media, or the internet are twice as likely to report that they intend to use addictive substances in the future. It's better for them to get their information from us than from their friends, which I think is true in every situation. (laughs) Which seems kind of obvious. (laughs) There's a necessary balancing act. That's the other thing that she talks about. So she says parents want as much information as possible, and I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, if I felt yeah. that it was appropriate, I would peg my kids with questions all day long because I just want to know Absolutely. right? But she says our children want and need autonomy, privacy, and to feel trusted. It's that balance, right? we got to monitor things to make sure they're not getting into, um, you know, risky behaviors that could have long-term consequences. And also, we have to respect the fact that they're getting older, that they need some privacy, and telling them that we trust them, but then monitoring them excessively, that communicates a different message, right? And they believe what we do, not necessarily what we say. On the one hand, one study shows that teens with more unsupervised time are more likely to use addictive substances, but then on the other hand, there are a lot of bodies of research that show that our kids need independent time away from us, and that need develops and grows right as children go through the age and stage where they're likely to experiment with addictive substances. So, yeah, it's that whole trust but verify. 
Yes. Yeah. And also, again, we're in that quandary mm-hmm. of, okay, great. So now we have some research telling us this and other yeah. research telling us this. It's why parenting is the easiest endeavor we take <laughs> on in our lives. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. So she talks about the sunburn analogy. So looking at, we would never tell our kids like, oh, you're never going to go out in the sun. You're just not going to do it, right? We send them out into the sun, but we put sunscreen on them. Those protective factors, that balance of doing those things that we know will protect them and also allowing them to do what's developmentally appropriate for their ages. Put the bulk of your effort towards your relationship because this sends the message that your monitoring comes from love. I feel like that's been a common thread through all these all books, these books that we've yeah. read too is emphasize the relationship because that's where um, you make the most gains and things feel most genuine and true because they are. Then she talks about parenting styles and I'm not even going to go through that because we talked about that with Good Inside, I think. Yeah. Was it Good Inside? Yes. Or How to Raise an Adult. I think it might have been in both of them. Both of them. Anyways, so she talks again about that authoritative parenting, having high expectations and being responsive to needs. So she says high expectations for conduct, fair enforcement of those high expectations. We need to be warm and supportive and supportive through failures and mistakes too. We can't Mm, ditch a kid when things don't go how they expected, right? Offer verbal reasoning for expectations beyond because I said so. Prioritize learning over obedience. Give children autonomy and space to learn and grow and recognize their own interests and goals as valid and worthy of our support. And then she talks about when addiction runs in the family. So genetics make up half of the substance abuse disorder causation equation. We must put this knowledge in the hands of the kids who need it. So she says, if this is you, if you have addiction in your family, Talk openly about the family history of substance abuse disorder and make it clear that your family expectation is that state and local laws will be followed and that alcohol use before 21 is not acceptable. Mm. So this includes, and I've heard her say this in an interview once, giving kids sips and tastes of stuff before they're 21. There's a whole uh, lot of people who feel like, well, they're at my house, they're with me, it's the safest place for them to have it. But she says the research is very clear that that is not the message you want to send, especially as we send them out into the world before they turn 21. Sure. The message we want to have sent was, hey, that's not appropriate until you're 21. It's against the law. So just something to consider in that area. We have to talk about it. So she talks about starting the conversation with your kid and I love this because she opens the chapter with the importance of family dinner mm. and you know I'm uh, yeah. obsessed family with family dinners. dinner yeah. I've read so much stuff about family dinner I have a whole presentation that I do in our community about family dinner family dinner <laughs> yep. um, for parents at schools and churches and stuff according to the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse family dinner is one of the most important things parents can do to protect kids from so many kinds of high-risk mm. behaviors According to a survey from the same organization, the more dinners per week, the less likely they are to drink underage. Interesting. So totally interesting. Um, I read once that the only correlate at Ivy League schools, like it crosses socioeconomic and race and everything you can think of, all of those factors, 
the only correlate they can come up with that goes across all of it is most of those kids engaged in family dinner with their parents. So it's funny to think about how we might be driving our kids to all these activities to build their resume and their college applications when in actuality, we need to maybe do fewer activities and get them more family dinners. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So this author has two sons and she says, I'm thinking of ways to make it fun too. So her kids loved that show, Hot Ones, yeah. which I didn't know about till I read this. So I'll explain it a little bit. Uh, the the creator of the show puts out this like row of hot sauces in front of famous people, and then they have these wings, right? And then they eat a wing with the hot sauce, mm. and it gets hotter and hotter yep. and hotter and hotter. And the interviews a- interviewer is asking questions between yeah. the wings, right? And People really put their guard down when they're focusing on not mm-hmm. having their mouth light on fire, right. <laughs> right? So she ordered a whole bunch of hot sauces because her kids love this show. They did hot ones in their house, and they carefully planned the questions that they asked because she's That's like, funny. this is my chance in yeah. this really cool context to get to know my kids better. Making that genuine effort mm-hmm. to get to know them and who they are and then we're able to trust and respect them and they're able to trust and respect us and they'll listen when we talk about drug and alcohol abuse when we have their trust and respect but before that right we're just yeah another source of noise in their life she talks about how to gain the trust and respect of our children so she says make time give them undivided attention be present it's more important than having answers, right? We don't have to be able to answer all the questions. We just have to be able to sit there in it, whatever it is with them. Listen and listen without an agenda. Staying connected is more important than being right. Don't take things personally. Respond without judgment. And that is hard, hard. when you have a whole boatload of life experience yep. that you want to... Impart. Yes, offer up. Communicate on their terms. So if they text you about important things, as hard as that is, you just text back. Pick your battles. That is... Hard. (laughs) I feel like that starts when they're two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Pick your battles. Invest in long-term connection. And then she says this, be the parent. Your kid is going to have tons. Tons of friends yeah, over they the don't next need, 20 yeah. years. That's not what they need from us. Yes, they need us to be their parents. And then empower them. Give mm-hmm. them the confidence that you have that they can and will be successful. And that they can and will make good choices. Tips for talking about substance abuse. Start. Talk about tobacco, drugs, and alcohol, and the other drugs that are out there. Start early. 29% of 12 to 14 year olds state that they have friends who use mm. and that number goes up to 61% by 15 to 17 years old. I think I already shared this on the podcast, but I'll share it again because I think it's good. I am close to a parenting expert who says we should operate under the rule of five. And that is that five years before our kids should be right. encountering something, we should be talking about mm-hmm. it. Obviously at an age appropriate level, but to at least have the conversation out there. Sure. 12 to 14 years old, you're looking at seven and eight, right? Right. Keep it up. She says, evolve the conversation as the kids grow. This isn't a conversation that we have once and then we stop having it. Don't forget to listen. Kids who express an interest in using are significantly more likely to use. So if you Mm -hmm. hear your kids 
kind of talking about stuff around this, that's a good sign that you maybe need to have more conversations. Create opportunities to talk. Discussions of this nature don't often happen on their own. Sometimes when I'm consulting with parents, they'll say, oh, I'll just wait for it to come up organically. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that doesn't always work out. Sometimes you have to build the opportunities so right. you can have the hard conversation. Well, and if you wait for it to come up organically, sometimes it's reactive instead of proactive. Yes, that's so, so true. Such a good point. Today is always preferable to later. So frequency normalizes difficult conversations. So have the conversation today and then you know what? You can have it again later. Sure. Always. And then she says, don't worry about being a hypocrite. Even if you use, you can talk to your kids about the devastating impact of addictive substances on the developing brain. They're in a little bit of a different situation than we are. And then she provides a stage-by-stage guide for talking to kids. So I'm going to post that on social with slides so you'll have access to that information. Then she goes into everyone's doing it. Friendship, peer pressure, and substance abuse. Because a lot of times when kids get caught, still to this day, that's what they say. Everyone's doing it. I don't understand. Right? So she starts with a common statement. Kids who spend time with peers who use substances are more likely to use themselves. But she digs a little deeper and says the research actually shows that kids who have interest or intent to use seek each other out. So... It's less that they would just fall into this crowd, but more that they would find that crowd that they'll be comfortable using with. So then she talks about a research study wherein if kids are being watched, they're more likely to engage in risk-taking behavior. So that I think is obvious, Mm. right? All those TikTok challenges and all that stuff. Like if you can do it with an audience, the kids are in, right? So this is a quote from the book. When parents, schools, and communities strengthen kids' sense of empathy, social responsibility, and self-efficacy and nourish children's interpersonal skills, prevention programs are a lot more likely to be effective. Schools, communities, and other organized social groups can assert and enforce norms for the betterment of all. So I love that. And again, it goes back to the whole thing. Yeah. If we can teach them to manage a wide range of emotions, they yep. don't seek out these substances Other options. that numb them out. Tips for helping kids resist peer pressure. No thanks. Mm. She says it's underrated and it's effective. So yeah. that's a great one to try. Yeah. No thanks. No, everybody isn't doing it. So talking to them about how, hey, actually, not everybody is doing it. Because yeah. when you're in the moment and all your friends are doing it in your brain, your yeah. brain's like, well, 100% of the people here are doing it. But if you can give them the information about the world, which is that there's a good 40% of kids who are 15 to 17 who aren't doing it, that's important. They can volunteer to be the designated driver, Mm -hmm. though then you have the risk of your child being at a place where underage drinking is happening. So that's a conversation you have to have with yourself or your parenting partner. Having a secret word or text for a no questions asked ride home. I know a lot of parents who do that. But the thing is, the no questions asked ride home has to be a no questions asked ride home or they will never call you again. Tell people you're allergic to alcohol. Intolerance is real and it's genetic. <laughs> um, tell people you're allergic to an ingredient in the alcohol. Say alcohol gives you migraines. Tell people your parents' drug test. Say you're on a medication that can't be mixed with alcohol. Say you have a sleep disorder. Hold a non-alcoholic drink. Say you're watching your weight, know that you can leave. So these are all options. 
I've seen some debate amongst parents online too about, whoa, that's my, I'm telling my kid to lie. And some parents are opposed to that. So those parents can work through right. a truthful statement and all of that. But I've heard expert after expert say, telling the truth is not the top priority when you're trying to no. keep your kid from using illegal substances. So just consider that. Then she offers advice for kids who are concerned about a friend's substance abuse. So she says, say something to the friend. Even if they don't agree, they know that you're a friendly ear if they need it. And be the first piece of the puzzle. So she says, it often takes many people saying something. Yeah. So you might be the first one to say something and it might get totally dismissed. But mm-hmm. you might be the first. In a series. Yeah, in a series to start yeah. a domino effect that might cause the person to take a look at their life. Be patient. Admitting that you can't control substance abuse is hard. So we have to give people time sometimes to do that. Um, listen. Sometimes people say, I think I have a problem, but they don't say it just like that. They say it in a variety of less overt ways. And then don't be afraid to ask for help. And then real life plays out slower than in the movies. So in a two-hour span, we see a person develop a problem, have a problem, face the problem, go into recovery, and find a new life. Come out on the other side. Yes. And our kids need to know that it doesn't happen overnight. And also... This is a huge life lesson that we cannot fix our friends. We cannot control other people. We only control And we're not responsible for them. Absolutely not. And then she talks about prevention in schools. And she talks about this program called Life Skills Training out of Cornell Medical College. There are 30 peer-reviewed studies that show that this specific program prevents tobacco, alcohol, and drug use, risky driving, high-risk sexual behaviors, juvenile violence, and delinquency. 30 peer-reviewed studies for this one program out of Cornell. I'll link this in the show notes, information for that program. And then she talks about college and beyond, setting the tone, how to talk to young adults. Basically, with our college-aged kiddos, we have to be prepared with data. They have to have, you know, actual information. Don't lecture. Assume a tone of trust and respect. Be aware of discussion dead ends. Like, know what things are going to end the discussion and don't say those things. And that's more about knowing your kid. Listen even when you disagree. And then she says this. Ramp up the talk the summer before freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the perfect time zone to start having those young adult conversations as they get ready to head off to freshman year. She says, be familiar with your child's hopes, dreams, goals, and priorities, which I love that because if you can tie that into the conversation, like, hey, how would getting a DUI affect your ability to get into law school, right? For sure. Don't be afraid to disagree. You don't have Mm -hmm. to agree with them on everything and they don't have to agree with you, but if you're having a respectful conversation, then you can both say what you think. And then she talks about college athletes. Greek life and where you go to college all have an impact on the number of students. Sure, that makes a ton of sense. Use and drink. So those three factors, participation in Greek life, being a college athlete, and then there's specific schools where drinking rates are higher. So you can Google that because it changes all the time. She has a list in the book, but it's already outdated. Yeah. And then she talks about talking to your college kid and they're going to ask about your behavior. So be honest and don't romanticize your drug and alcohol use. Bust the myths. Drinking is illegal under 21. Revisit anatomy discussions. Like, talk about how it affects your brain and all that stuff. And then discuss drinking games as a specific risk because in college... They're highly prevalent? Yes, they're highly prevalent. 
And then in closing, she talks about changing the ending. And she talks mm-hmm. about two specific stories. They're longer, so I'm not going to get into it. Of students who graduated from the rehab center where she taught, basically mm-hmm. saying, don't lose hope. No matter what's going on, there's options. There's ways to figure it out. This is a really interesting book, and um, there's just a ton of information in it. So I'm glad we were able to do this. Yeah, that was All a right. good one. Okay, friends, we will talk to you soon. Remember, whatever you're facing in parenting, it won't always be this way. 